Welcome to the Dan O'Man Podcast, winning the interview series. So we're going to jump right into this. Uh, in this episode, we're going to have a lot to discuss with regards to telling an effective 60 to 90 second deal story. I think it's important to note the deal stories are not the deal review, right, Matt? Because there's a whole nother piece of winning the presentation when it comes to telling a good deal review. And really the 60 to 90 second deal story that I want to focus on with you today is it really does three things. It helps you build trust you're capable, overcomes objections of the hiring manager, or at least the perception the hiring manager has over you, and it should highlight your skills. Yeah, I think when you're telling a deal story at this pivotal point or junction in the interview, you're just earning the right to get to the next step. So you're being measured on how well can you articulate a complex story into something very simple? How well are you listening to my line of questioning? And can you relate that story back to my line of questioning? And then are you interesting? I think that's a being hired for your skill set, but you're also being hired for, is this somebody I want to spend time with? The way you tell a story, it tells a little bit about who you are and the way you're, you're going to act in public. Are you going to be fun to hang out with on that four-hour car ride from Chicago to Des Moines? Really good deal stories are succinct and impactful and memorable. The bad ones are the ones where you're rambling on in between the transitions, kind of lose the punch as you go through it because you're like, oh, and then you circle back at the end back to, oh, I wanted to mention this too. This, All right, I just read chapters one, six, three, and then 11. And I don't know if I totally get the book. I don't know if I'm buying or selling, but I get there's a story there, right? And I think you want to avoid the latter in that scenario. Reminding me first joined Salesforce, the RVP at the time, who later on turned out to be a mentor of mine. And we were in an interview and it was a new SE. The SE technically was just so sound, but super dry, couldn't really tell a good story. And he asked me in the panel, like, well, what did you think? I'm like, hire him, do the job. He's got a lot of great skills. He was like, yeah. He goes, but do you want to be on the road with that guy for two days? I laughed and I was like, well, why does that matter? But it does matter because if you're going to do your best work, you want to do it with people that are interesting, who can tell a deal story. Because if you could tell a good deal story, you can pitch a big vision. And if you can pitch, I think, a vision of who you are or what your capabilities or products can do for an organization, you're going to tie that to digital transformation. So it's yeah. pretty interesting when you said that, because that was something that I just still remember. And that was 10 years ago when he asked yeah. me want to be on the road with that guy. Make sure that our listeners don't confuse liking someone and them being the same as you qualifier. I think back to interviews that I've been in where I'm hiring candidates across the spectrum. Some of the most interesting stories that I've heard were a completely different perspective on something that I would maybe view as very common, but they articulated in a way because the life experiences, their background, whatever it might be, were different. I would say oftentimes that creates and cultivates a more diverse team. And that different perspective is welcome in defining something or in explaining something that might be relatively common. Because the last thing you want to do when you're hiring is create a team of clones. I don't want our listeners to get lost in that. It doesn't have to be the same story I would tell or you would tell, that he or she has their own version of the story. Being different is also being interesting. Colin Paula was giving a speech at a sales kickoff. He gave his rendition of where he was and where his kids were on 9-11. His daughter was in the Pentagon. His story was so good. It was only like a three-minute story, but everybody was crying. And I don't mean you want to tell a deal story where people end up crying. Although if you could do it, my goodness. You're, <laughs> you're going to win that out. deal. Yeah. <laughs> so it's going to it's gonna benefit folks to take the heartfelt elements of the deal story and draw a parallel to your own life story. There are so many renditions of the same story across movies. 
and they all pull from like these core human elements. If you can unlock that, the key to that within a deal story, you're going to be really successful. It's so hard to do for a lot of people. It's even hard for me sometimes. As I was prepping for this podcast, I was thinking about some of my great deal stories and what I can share. And I literally had to spend time in my iPhone notes app creating the deal story that was going to go 60 to 90 seconds. And if you're a good storyteller, it can go a little longer, especially if you got the person engaged. But I literally had to write it down. I even recorded myself on the iPhone app. Get yourself a tripod. It's like 25 bucks on Amazon. Set it up and record yourself talking. Record yourself telling stories. That's how you're going to get better at it. And most people won't do that. Most people won't take the advice that we're giving them right now. But if you do that, you're going to be a better interviewer. But more importantly, you're going to be a better effective salesperson when you're in those cycles. You know, Dan, I think it'd be really helpful for our listeners to have you tell one of your deal stories. Would be a good starting point. I was in an interview with an RVP and he asked me some of my greatest strengths. And I replied with my ability to research an account thoroughly. I was handed interstate battery. And before I prospected a few of the contacts, I wanted to actually experience the brand. It just so happened a week later, my car battery had died out. I turned the key. I was already late for work. And my dad always said, never go cheap on your tires and never go cheap on your battery. So I hopped into my other car, went to one of the regional stores. I walked in. I had a display that said good, better, or best. And I chose best. The cashier asked me for my phone number, my email address, uh, how old the battery was in the car that I brought over. And I waited about 20 minutes. After the service was complete, I left the store. I got a thank you text. A week later, I got an email for an offer on the other battery. And what if I told you that none of that happened? Now, don't get me wrong. I did have the dead battery. I went into the store. I was greeted with good, better, or best. But it was the same experience I had when I was 16 years old. And there was no connection point or touch point throughout the buying process or cross upsell. And I knew from there that I had the CMO's attention, that if they were going to digitally transform, they needed to go where the customer was. I like that. I like that a lot. So did you end up winning the deal? No. (laughs) I didn't win the deal. And I'll tell you why. Earlier in my career, I got really good at telling stories and experiencing the brand and doing a lot of research. But what I wasn't good at was I pitched this big vision that the company couldn't pull off. They didn't have budget. They didn't have the right organizational change leaders in the organization. And I didn't ask really good questions on how they buy software. And I ended up pushing that deal. Learn from that deal is you're running two cycles. You got to research the account really well. You got to do the pitch. You got to paint a big vision. But There's another cycle. And the other part of the cycle is you really got to get and understand the way a customer buys, the way they allocate budget, the way they're, if do they have transformational change agents? So I learned a lot from that deal that I lost and I applied that to future opportunities. I think that's a good point for our listeners too. And maybe a a sub bullet to that is you learn and grow a lot in the deals you lose. That's where you get better. Iron sharpens iron, grow in those losses, if that's what you want to call them. But you don't just have to tell the deal cycles that you won. So if you're just holding out on the three biggest deals that you've ever sold, that might not be as interesting as the professional growth you articulated in the story that you shared up with the best tactic to flip their perspective on what they might need to do. But to your point, a mature and seasoned sales rep is going to know that that's only part of the story. People, process, and technology are three parts, and people and process have to be aligned 
in order for technology to be enabled because it, it almost the technology you can pick the best or the worst it doesn't matter if prior to aren't place we've got customers and i just you made me think of a deal story where years ago we're launching the cg vertical at salesforce uh, whirlpool had never done business with salesforce in 23 years i showed up on the first day with a room of, full of 30 people it's the first meeting without any context and i'm supposed to pitch for two hours you already know you're going to fail that's not a win I have to set the tone and own the reason we haven't worked together for that long. I had a slide up in front of the entire room and there are 332 closed dead opportunities in Salesforce. And I'm scrolling down and I go, the reason this is, is we haven't taken the time to learn your business, align with the right leadership on expectations on how you want to evaluate technology. And we probably showed up with too much swagger and we were trying to tell you what you should do. Opportunity number 333, and I hope this one's different, but we're starting where we started all the other ones. And I'm here right now for the next two hours with a great team. And we're going to tell you what you should do. My fear is we end up in the same place. So I'm like, we're going to facilitate your ask. But my asks at the end of the meeting are to change the direction on how we're evaluating technology. Set the tone, change the dynamic of the outcome with very clear expectations. What we ended up doing outside of probably would have ended up in an RFP like three months later that would have just gone away is we got permission from leadership and went on a world tour, literally a world tour, meeting with as many sales leaders and sales reps as we could to understand their processes, co-authored and built a boardroom proof of concept with their sales leadership team that highlighted all of the gaps in their business that could be solved and approved with Salesforce, and then brought it all back to a couple of their regional sales offices throughout the United States. The evaluation process and in alignment with their sales team ended up winning the first deal ever there for contractor and retail sales channel continues to grow today because of of that process change. The amount of dead loss opportunities with that organization, because it puts them a little bit about face to say, those are how many no decisions we've had. And you've taken the ability to say, I don't want to repeat bad process. And I think the hiring managers listening to you tell that story, you're coming into the new role and you know, there's a lot of dead loss opportunities that's in that particular territory. That hiring manager wants to make sure that the person that comes in is going to start fast and who's going to look at the accounts different. This person's going to take a new approach, a fresh look to help grow those accounts. I think you achieve that with telling that story. All your story is doing is delivering a vision for how you're going to interject that process in a future sales cycle, which is what a demo does too, right? Having a clear understanding, asking the hiring manager to articulate back the profile for a successful candidate for this role. How does that match to the other people that are on your team today? And what are they doing to be successful? Because if you get just one little tiny answer, then your story is limited. But like we've all got just nutty things that we've had to do or hoops we've had to jump through or things we've had to do to be different. Talk a little bit about the three differentiators. Because on the last podcast in owning the process, talked a little bit about what are your three differentiators and you infinity loop them back into those three differentiators throughout the conversation that only highlights the skills and highlights your differentiation. The recruiter has already told you what they want you to solve for. They've given you a concept of what an ideal candidate looks like. You've given them a window into some of those stories. When you're asked a line of questioning, don't necessarily answer the question head on, but loop them back into a piece of that story you just told them that highlights how you're capable of addressing whatever the, the question or concern is. That keeps you back into where you have hopefully practiced your deal story. You're familiar with those deals. You've taken the time to kind of do the excavation of identifying what your core values are and what your 
benefits or your value drivers are as the product. And I, I think of an example when I was actually doing, I was a referral for a good buddy of mine running for an SVP role at another organization. And I met with the the CHR or the I'm sorry, chief revenue officer. He's asking me, he's like, well, tell me what you think of, of so-and-so. And I just highlighted the three biggest qualities that I remember about the person. Gentleman of high character, takes a servant leadership approach team, and he shows up with a tenacity that's second to none in a way that doesn't prohibit other people. Every question he asked me, I answered the question and I go, and if you remember, I talked about his high character has enabled him to be that kind of differentiator in the account. His ability to run through walls in an appropriate way that isn't a bull in a china shop goes back to his tenacity which is second to none to others that you're going to interview. You know, his ability to lead his team through challenging scenarios goes back to his where he puts his people first, but also takes care of himself. Just kept the discussion on those three core values and never went off of them. He was offered the job and didn't take it. At the end of the call that I had with him, he goes, I was really impressed with how you ran that. If you're open to it. I'd like to interview you for a position here as well. And at the time, I wasn't interested. I was certainly flattered. It's effective and it worked building referral swell and having your referral network be your brand advocate. If you can coach your brand advocates to tell that story there. So mm-hmm. if a recruiter says, you say you're not interested, but here, you should talk to Matt and Matt has these three qualities and this is why you should look at this particular person. So you're once you master the, the threes and the three differentiators, then you can tell an effective story. And again, it goes back to practicing. It. I'm just thinking through that. And it once you get it, it applies to everything. Process of Defining the three things, buying a car, buying a house, choosing a, a mate, whatever it is, you you can master and hone in on that skill and apply it to everything. I, there's a quote I love that says, I don't have time to be brief. Because guess how mm-hmm. much work it takes to be brief? Because Absolutely. you really need to be deliberate with every single word that you're going to say. If you don't have time to be brief, then you're probably rambling. You know, Dan, you just made me think of something. If we live in a world today where you can summarize your emotional expression by clicking an emoji. And this is not for people who want to remain in that lane. There are billions of people in that lane. And if you want to be different in this process, you've got to take a step back and provide yourself the opportunity to be brief by defining what your core values are, what your biggest deal stories are, and what those create a compelling story. Anybody who wants to be different, just look what everybody else is doing around you and do the opposite. So Matt, I want to talk about one more deal story here. It's a technique I've used to try to ask for confirmation to move on to the presentation stage. Now, I know you and I talked about doing a podcast on winning the presentation. A little too complex to really articulate that over a podcast. It's better for a one-on-one coaching session where we can help you review what deal review you want to tell. How are those key KPIs going to help a hiring manager select you? So we're not going to do winning the presentation, but I think this deal story helps you get to the presentation at the end. So you close with the deal story. I tried this a couple of times when I've been in the process. It's actually helped me get hired. I asked the hiring manager at the end of the interview, you know, if you could wave a magic wand, what are the skills you need in this next hire? And then from there, they're effectively allowing you to find the deal story that aligns to what the hiring manager is looking for. So if the hiring manager says, I need a rep that can start fast, can land new logos, and sell a multi-cloud solution. And they may not be that brief. That hiring manager might ramble as well. But if you can find one, two, three things, and if they say start fast, land new logos, and sell a multi-cloud solution, then you enter the deal story with a close. So the way the technique works is, you know, when you said those qualities, it reminded me of a deal I did at Navistar. It was a new logo. I was five months into the role. I identified the CIO was connected to a close friend of mine who was working at a partner who was working with marketing and sales. 
And what I was able to understand is that all five different departments were on different systems. Through my discovery and partnering with through my network, I understood that they didn't have a voice of the dealer nor the driver. And we solved these challenges selling a multi-cloud solution. Teamed with the partner, formed champions in the account, did executive mapping throughout the org chart, turned gray contacts into yellow and yellow into the green. And I just want to let you know, I can start fast. I can land new logos and I can sell a multi-cloud solution if I can get your endorsement to move on to the presentation stage. So I named the qualities really quickly on what he wanted to do. And if you can sell it, articulate it, then ask for the close. Maybe that deal store will help you get to the presentation stage. And it's exactly what we do in a demo. We've shown you A, B, C, and D, emulated how your process can be achieved, close on next steps. And that's simply what you did in that example. And I think if listeners can take anything from this, it's to be a very good listener while you're in the interview, which is also a key sales skill. All right, Matt, we're going to close this out. So we talked about in three podcasts, owning the process, setting the tone, treating the interview like a sales cycle, and how important it is to tell 60 to 90 second deal stories. Why don't you close us out now with a little bit of wisdom? If you tell the truth, you don't have to remember anything. Thanks, everybody. We really appreciate the time listening. Tune in to our last and final podcast, Winning the Compensation, which is the negotiation step in the sales cycle. See you later on in the cycle.